Hi everyone, before we get started today, uh, we just have a couple of announcements. We are gearing up for Pride Month this year. Would want to, you know, submit any questions to us about uh, gender and sexuality. Uh, these can be either about myself or Lark's experiences or both of us. Feel free to email questions that are specifically for one of us to answer. Or if you just have questions in general, let us know. And we will read those questions and answer them. And I'm, I'm making a gesture that doesn't make any sense. For one of our Pride Month special Thank episodes, you. You. we're going to be uh, answering any and all of your your queerness-related questions. Yeah. They can be like things that you want our input on related to your own life, or they can be things that you're wondering about one or both of us. It's going to be cute and fun. So cute. So cute and so fun, fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Other thing that we want to talk to you about. We recently restructured our Patreon because capitalism is a horcrux. Take a moment to ponder upon that analogy and realize how incredibly accurate it is. So we are now doing a single support structure. When you go look at our Patreon, you will see there are still two tiers. They both have all of the exact same perks. One of them is just for folks who have and want to give at a higher level, but everyone gets access to the same content. It's very cool. Even if you can't or don't want to become a patron, go check out the public post about why we're doing what we're doing just because we feel really good about it and want to share it with all of you. Um, But also this is just a reminder to our current patrons who maybe haven't seen the info on that, that because of the restructuring, everyone does need to adjust your pledges accordingly in order to keep accessing content because of the way that uh, Patreon works. So that's that. And lastly, we do have some new patrons to thank. Woohoo! Eli, Marissa, Peter, Sadia, Emily, Graham, Mo, Kelsey, and D the Shadow. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. And you're really rad and great. Also, I think we're $20 away from meeting our first goal. Yeah! You guys, I mean, thank. Thank all of, all of y'all who are patrons uh, for this. It's a very weird time, and money is even more of a fleeting thing right now. So we really appreciate every pledge that y'all have gave in this time. Yeah, I could hug you if I could, but instead, imagine me giving you a hug. Virtual hugs to all of you. Um, yeah, and then lastly, our, we have three new reviews, which you all know we love getting new reviews. They make us really happy. So to Jackrad, Tasha Yalmi, and RS Spinner, thank you so much for leaving us reviews on iTunes. And with that. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to 
just stop this podcast? Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Chardonnay, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 13 of Prisoner of Azkaban, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw, in which Ron and Hermione are in a fight. <laughs> uh... For good reason, for maybe the only time in all of the books. Yeah. Um, Harry finally has a chance to use his firebolt that he nearly destroyed his friendship over. Even stoned as shit hooch is impressed, despite the unfair advantage it gives Harry on the Quidditch pitch. Harry also knows his Ravenclaw seeker, Cho Chang, is a cutie because compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs> but he won the Quidditch match! Woo! The excitement is short-lived as Sirius Black sneaks into the Gryffindor Tower and kills the curtains around Ron's bed. Everyone is fine, but poor dear Neville is in it deep for leaving out his list of passwords. <sighs> poor fucking Neville. I, I know, right? Yeah. Okay, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Hogwarts reevaluates policy of entrusting student safety to literal pieces of art, considers making it a paid position. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Hogwarts. I know y'all got that million galleon endowment somewhere underneath the fucking castle. Just pay someone. To do this job. Where are the security trolls from last book? Exactly. They wouldn't have let Sirius gotten past. They would not have let Sirius black into the common room. Like, regardless of whether or not he knew the password. For the love of God. Anyway, this rant is for... (laughs) (laughs) A bit later (laughs) in the ranting about stuff chapter Uh... section. So... We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of the newspaper. Honestly, Hermione should have fired both Ron and Harry as her friends in this chapter. I mean, she's already in a fight with Ron, which is like, we're going to get into later because it is very, it's more complicated than their their usual fights. But Hermione's in a rough patch right now. I'm like, why does she need to fire Harry? I mean... Harry isn't being, like, a straight jerk to her, but he's also not super sympathetic to, like, her obvious academic stress and unhealthiness. I mean, that's true, but it is also true that, like, Crookshanks obviously killed Scabbers, and Harry seems like he is trying to be friends with Hermione without being, like, bro your cat definitely killed ron's rat trying to be like okay i'm gonna like let you do the your denial dance like i'm but i'm still gonna talk to you i'm not like taking ron's side against you i feel like harry was doing a decent job and that hermione was having 
understandably outsized reactions to their interactions because she's really fucking stressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I think that that's actually a really excellent point. I just, I just feel very deeply for Hermione in this chapter because oh she's God. obviously like on the verge of like emotional collapse. Yeah. And I mean, I think we, I think in editorial we should get more into about the Scabbers, Crookshanks things. I do want to get more into that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. She just, she just, she's just clearly in a lot of pain, and I'm like, I've definitely been there academically, and it fucking sucks. I know, but like for us usually that's like midterms and finals this has just been hermione's reality since the beginning of the school year like oh i I definitely had a semester like that it was very terrible (laughs) the i've had semesters like that but it was always because i was also working a full-time job it has never been because like i took too many courses i've like done a full course load and then also worked 40 hours a week which is like yeah, I don't know how anyone does that, honestly. Don't ever do it if you have oh, a no. choice at all. No, I have oh no desire. I know I know myself. I would never do that. I can almost feel the eye twitch that I had for like three months straight wanting to come back just remembering those three months of my life. It was such a bad idea. I don't know what I was thinking because I didn't have to, you know, like it yeah. was not a, like I live in a dorm and have to go to school I have to take a full course load. Anyway, we should talk more about this in education, I think. Okay, Okay, so my first point is that I honestly don't know if this was something we talked about when we were recording The Queer Blur with Sarah or if it was something that we talked about in an episode, but at some point we discussed the fact that Madame Hooch is like the kind of queer who special interest queer who like rides only a like pristine vintage broom and you know it's like totally impractical and most people are like that should be in a museum i can't believe you own it and she's like brooms are meant to be ridden this chapter was like waving a flag being like you are good at reading like you have accurately assessed this character yeah no i had like completely forgotten that it comes up in the text until i read it and i'm like wait what i know (laughs) i know for anyone who's not reading along with us and is like what are you talking about uh she goes on a long soliloquy to the entire quidditch team about the old silver arrows and like what good brooms they were and i promise you that when she and ron go back to the stands to sit down and watch the practice she talks ron's ear off for the entire time about vintage brooms and like the one that she has hanging in her chambers which i feel like ron actually might be into that conversation yeah totally so like yeah um, along those, actually along this line about Hooch and that whole scene is that Hooch is clearly high as balls this entire chapter. I know. I feel like her, like, classic broom, like, soliloquy was also like, that's really intense, but also you're clearly just so stoned. Yeah. And then she, like... Harry's doing practicing. She like falls asleep in the bleachers for like, it seems like hours. And I'm like, you are too high. Yeah. 
I get it. You're in the you're in the Quidditch stand. You're like I ain't, I ain't got shit else to do. But like, be a little bit more sober when you're supposed to be supervising children. <laughs> children that like both a mass murderer and like demons are trying to murder on a regular basis. Make better choices. Please. I know. It's just it's it's like this is what I expect of Hogwarts teachers, but it also is just so funny it's just i mean it's it's terrible but i'm also just like just be slightly a little slightly less high i know slightly it's so funny weird i just because i don't feel like in my millions of readings and i know all of this stuff is like in my head somewhere so to some extent the things that i think of while we're talking is like based on the fact that i've read the books hundreds of times but these passages with her every time it's i feel like i'm kind of noticing it for the first time a little bit and i'm like wow we have really nailed this character like we have a a deep and profound understanding of who madame hooch is (laughs) and maybe that's because she's someone that we like definitely have in our peer groups like oh no times over (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like 20 years from now i will be madame hooch like (laughs) fucking stoned as shit it won't be brooms, though. It's going to be, like, wildlife facts or something. And I'll be, like, volunteering at some, like, you know, nature center just talking to kids about vultures while I'm, like, high off of my ass. It's going to be great. Please so, don't I've get been... high and interact <laughs> with wild animals and children, Jesse. <laughs> you will definitely get sued for getting a child mauled by a vulture. Oh, my God. I mean, vultures don't really go for live stuff. It'll be fine. Excuse me. Look, <laughs> your dad friend is interfering with this decades in advance. <laughs> Do not make these choices. Okay. It also does occur to me, though, going back to Hooch, that the fact that her name is Hooch also makes me think that we're definitely just meant to assume that she's just like somehow intoxicated all the time. That's true. That's true. Actually, that's a really good point. I mean, I don't think it's alcohol just because I'm like, she just is in her own world in a way that I feel like being drunk doesn't make you come off as. Right. I agree. Anyway, kids, that's how you know. (laughs) You can guess if someone's just... Okay. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Uh, I think think you're... I think you're next. No, it's you. Okay. So there's a little... There's a little... There's an excellent bit of, like, more of the foreshadowing behind-the-scenes work when Harry and Ron see Crookshanks outside, and Harry's like, oh, fuck, I thought it was the Grim for a second. But it's, like, totally, that's totally the moment where, like, Crookshanks is, like, handing off the password list to Sirius. That's just a great little moment. Yeah, after the book, you're like, oh, that's what, that's totally what's going on in this little scene. Mm-hmm. This is, I just love it. That's all. I want to talk about... Malfoy flirting with Harry. <laughs> yes. Let's. It is so much. And also, I just want to point out that his eyes are once again described as glittery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry, I just feel like when you, when you mean something like negative about the quality of the look in someone's eyes, glittery is not the word that you choose. It sure isn't. 
like the fact that that's why Harry is like very consistently like Malfoy's glittery eyes and Malfoy's eyes glittered whatever whatever and it's just like glittered maliciously (laughs) hot yeah it's it's a really good scene that's a really good scene and also so Malfoy's dig at Harry is so weak and Harry's rebuttal is it's so, so good. good. I it's know. so good. <laughs> that's why he had, that's why Malfoy had to walk away. It's like you 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 didn't even you didn't even know how to top that. You just had to retreat. <laughs> yeah, right. Like if if it was if it was Hook and they were like doing, you know, bangerang, Malfoy's was definitely a <laughs> It was a very bad. Will you read? Can you dramatically read the passage? You have it in front of you. I actually do have it in front of me. <clears throat> Got plenty of special features, has it? Said Malfoy, eyes glittering maliciously. Shame it doesn't come with a parachute in case you get too near a Dementor. Crab and Goyle snickered. Pity you can't attach an extra arm to yours, Malfoy, said Harry. Then it could catch the snitch for you. The Gryffindor team laughed loudly. Malfoy's pale eyes narrowed, and he stalked away. Because what the fuck else is he supposed to do to that? Yeah. Like, you're gonna, need, you're gonna need some sal for that burn, Malfoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know that Malfoy, like, went to bed that night and just, like, replayed that interaction over and over in his head. It was just, like, so many feelings. Well, he said he laid in his bed and also was like came up with like five different things he could have responded at the time, and then was annoyed that he didn't do that. Yep, it's hard, it's hard out there for Slytherin in love. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to have a crush. I think that's an okay go song. <laughs> well, it's tough to have a crush when the boy doesn't feel the same way you do. Well, it's tough to have a crush when it only. Perhaps they'll find you in the river in a month or two. Well, it's tough to crush on you. So my next thing is just more more of our girl Penelope Clearwater. She doesn't actually speak in this passage, which is unfortunate. But just. Percy's whole, that whole interaction about the bet is just like, what would have happened if Percy would have lost that bet? I mean, I feel like, I feel like the fact that he won that bet doesn't actually mean anything, but I'm kind of just like. I have the same question. (laughs) I mean, what is, what is, what is a hundred galleons worth of, of repayment look like in sex? You, You mean 10 galleons? Yeah, that. $100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's got to be something like, I'm like kind of mad about this, but you're into it, so we're going to do it, potentially. But like, not like in a weird way. Going to like, you really like someone, so you're like, I like making you happy, we can do this thing. Mm. No? I feel like it would just be like, intense service bottoming. Fair. Or just like, weeks weeks of edging. I feel this happens because he he won the bet. And it's like, all right, well, Penelope's not just gonna hand you ten galleons, dude. Like, 
No, I'm sure that 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 payment, all that transaction, also happened in some way where where Percy was was bottoming. But I feel like if it was like, oh, you you owe me ten galleons, like you made a bet that you couldn't follow through on, like clean my boots with your tongue, you know, it's they would look different, right? Yeah. Uh, I also sort of enjoy knowing that Penelope is either into brooms and or into quidditch because she came over to be like i want to check out this this firebolt i think she just wanted percy to watch her holding a (laughs) phallic object (laughs) actually (laughs) (laughs) so what you're saying is i clearly need to write uh more penelope percy during this during this chapter i (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope that all of our patrons who read your fanfic want you to write more Penelope Percy fanfic. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy I enjoy writing it, so it's like whatever. Yeah, and you're very good at writing <laughs> it. So you, yes, please go for it. <laughs> Just want to let everyone know that I'm a big fan of our head canon of. Penelope Clearwater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my last front page is just that Harry cast a Patronus. He did. He can do it. Yeah. If he's exhilarated and it's a fake Dementor, but still. I feel like he... Do you think he could have done it if it was a real Dementor? I don't know. I feel like being on a broom is his happy place. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's best case scenario for him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think you're right that he probably still would have been able to produce a Patronus. And, like, I feel like the text makes it vague if it's, like, if it is actually his stack Patronus or just sort of, like, a blob of, like, Patronus magic. Yeah, I don't think it's corporeal, but I think it's, like... Enough. A, a, yeah, a, a good non-corporeal Patronus. Mm-hmm. How disappointed do you think Harry was that it was not real Dementors? A little bit. But I feel like that would maybe override his satisfaction of like producing more than a wisp. You know? Yeah. Which is what he's been trying to do this whole time. So in reality, what he should be doing is just practicing the Patronus charm while on his broom <laughs> in the Quidditch. Totally. Match. Yeah. Like, that should have been the rest of this, this uh, you know, extra classes, so. Yeah, because then he, like, wires his neural pathways to, like, associate casting that charm with being on a broom, so it's much easier to pull up a happy feeling. But also, I guess, very public, which I guess I don't know if that is an issue of any kind. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah, what's next? All right. Um, so my next front page is just, uh, I just want to acknowledge Cho Chang, third Asian person in this book, and one of like, whatever, 17 people of color or whatever in this entire series. So glad, glad she's, uh, glad she's in the books. Yeah. We have a lot of conversations about her, you know, queued up for the future. Yeah. But yeah, but we just want to acknowledge that this, this is her first formal introduction as a character and she's a very good 
Seeker, who is incredibly bold. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I love I, her style. Yeah, I mean, I love a love a love a female athlete, and considering she's the only girl in the Ravenclaw team, which seems very weird. Talk about that later. Like, good for her. Yeah, I also like. I just really love her style. Her like secret. She's like, I can't beat that broom. I'm not even gonna look. Like, it's just really, it's sassy and like really just. I'm I'm very into it. It's very it's a very Ravenclaw tactic. I feel like you're just like, all right, let me calculate what is going to be the best thing to do. I'm just going to follow this guy because, <laughs> like, right, like I can't. She is like what, like a clean sweep or something, and this is like the Bugatti of brooms, and she's like in like in a Honda. Of course, you're not just going to try to like outrace that. You're like, I'm just going to follow you because yeah, and like get in his way. It's really good. It's just it's a very I think unique tactic and i applaud it mm-hmm. so what's next lee jordan's commentary which i love <laughs> but i like it particularly like how in this chapter it's like every podcast ad ever where he's like giving his normal commentary and it'll go into like a feature of the fireball and mcdonald's goes like are they are they paying you to give this like please just narrate the match yes uh and it's just it's just so funny because it's like having someone having a student do the Quidditch commentary is sort of as close as they get to a like I'm not like I'm not quite like a media arts thing, but it's I don't know one of the very few like sort of creative things we see anyone do as a student. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would just always lament the lack of any kind of creative artistic outlet that seems to happen at Hogwarts. So. It makes me very frustrated. Yeah. Also, I want to give a shout out to Harry for having a like average young person experience of like winning the sports match and having a party with his friends. Harry gets so few just like run of the mill moments <laughs> that I'm like, oh Harry, we're just hanging out and like chugging butterbeer and having a good time. <laughs> I wish you had more of these moments. Yeah, and nothing happens. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. No one no one is dead. You're you're not worried about anything. You just won the Quidditch match. It feels great. Yeah. So. That's a good point. So my my last front page is that when Ron is like clearly in shock about having thinking he almost got murdered by Sirius. Mm-hmm. But my favorite is he's like trying to describe it to Percy and he's like Sirius Black in the dormitory with a knife and I'm like <laughs> Ron is, is like describing the worst game of Clue is what's happening right now yeah <laughs> uh, and all the Muggleborns think of that joke in their heads and are like the wrong time too soon <laughs> yeah 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 there's definitely like at least two Muggleborns are like I can't say this out loud because he's clearly freaking out this is really serious but LOL yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> Uh. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. So my first thing is about, of course, Ron and Hermione's fight, mm-hmm. which is like, it's really hard because like, I feel like on both sides, you're kind of just like, I understand where you're coming from. This is a really, this is a really hard thing to grapple with. 
I feel like. Like I don't know how I, uh, how I would feel and if I was on either if I was either in Ron or Hermione's place, I would also just be fucking angry and like I don't want to talk to you about this shit. So I think that Hermione is wrong here. Um I think that her attitude towards this whole thing is like inexcusable and like Ron says all he wants is for her to act sorry, which is 100% reasonable. And I believe him. And she should be sorry. And she should not be making excuses. And, like, there, there's a right answer here, which is Hermione being like, Ron, you're right. I should have taken you more seriously when you pointed out that Crookshanks was targeting scabbers. And I didn't, and I didn't keep him away from your dorm, and that was wrong of me, and it definitely looks like he ate your rat, and I'm so sorry, and I feel terrible. Can you please forgive me? And then they could be friends again, and she should do that, not just so they can be friends again, because even if Ron didn't want to forgive her, which would be honestly understandable, she still owes him that apology. No, that's fair. And you're right, because, like, Hermione, like, isn't at all acknowledging Ron's feelings. I mean, I don't know. And, like, maybe this is just coming from someone who is a, like, really obsessive cat person. But, like, I mean, you're right. Like, Hermione should have definitely been keeping a closer eye on Crookshanks. Ron could have also been doing some a little bit more for Scabber's protection than, like, having him loose in his dorm so and i'm not saying that like if this is like jesse it was if it was always fine for scabbers to be loose in ron's dorm with however the fuck many cats were in the dorm before crookshanks got there it is not the case that ron should have to make special accommodations because hermione's cat wants to kill his rat like he has done the thing, which is have multiple conversations with Hermione about the fact that she needs to keep her cat from murdering other people's pets. Like, that's on her for sure. And it's not like it, it even helps when, like, Ron does have him on his person, like, in his pocket or in his bag. Crookshanks is still trying to kill him. So, like, what's he going to do? Put up, like an electric fence around his bed to keep Crookshanks out. No, I mean, you're right. And it's like, Hermione should have definitely been addressing this way earlier than, because you're right, like, Crookshanks was, like, physically also attacking Ron, which is, like, not great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, like, Jezebel caught one of my friend's chickens one time and luckily didn't kill it. She just laid on it and looked at us like look i caught dinner come get it um but like it would be totally inappropriate for me to have been like well your chicken shouldn't have been loose on your farm so it's not just it's not my fault that my (laughs) loose dog attacked your chicken like no it is i didn't have my dog on a leash i wasn't paying attention and like It's not Jezebel's fault, right? Like, she's a dog. She's like, that looks like fun. I have 
a prey drive. I'm going to go catch a chicken for dinner. But it is my responsibility as a dog owner to stop my dog from eating my friend's chickens, you know? No, you're right. So I'm not blaming Crookshanks, but I am blaming Hermione. (laughs) No, that's fair. No, that is totally fair. Yeah, Hermione could be a much better pet owner about and yeah better better to better to poor ron yeah this is probably the only time that i'm gonna be arguing avidly in ron's defense i think that's gonna be another another couple of times but yeah this is gonna be the last time for like i think like a book and a half yeah hermione is is definitely in the wrong here and and she just needs to offer a meaningful apology which is the easiest and hardest thing to do you know Mm -hmm. but she needs to and like when they find scabbers later and like that makes it better like i honestly don't think it should because she still failed to take accountability for her behavior and that's like really shitty I don't think I realized how mad at Hermione I was until we started talking about this. I think this is also maybe a thing in the Hermione needs other friends. Because what she needs is a friend to be like, okay, girl, you're tripping a little bit. Yeah. Which Harry could do if he hadn't been such a fucking dickhead to her for the last however long about the broom. Yeah. Like, but right now he can't say anything to her because it's like it does. It just looks like he's being a jerk and taking Ron's side. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is just why I'm like, Hermione, you need, like, one more friend. <laughs> just, like, At least. More. Yeah. At least someone to be like, okay, girl, really? You know? Because I feel like we all and need a friend. this is why the sorting system is so fucked up. Because, like, a good dorm assignment system would make sure that there weren't only three people in the third you know in like one class of gryffindor girls because like you know what i mean like they need to be like there's an abundance of people to choose from here so that if like parvati and lavender become besties hermione won't be just like left alone yeah and i think it must be hard because it's like that also means that like even any of the like older girls are probably also already just have besties from like you know, being around each other, so it's sort of like... Yeah, I'm glad that her and Jenny are on the brink of becoming good buds. Yeah. Which must mean that Jenny is similarly not having peers in her in her dorm. I mean, I don't think we even... Do we even know of any other girls in Gryffindor in Jenny's year? I feel like we don't. No. Uh, but on a on a lighter note, I just want to like, lol, Fred and George's attempt to cheer up Ron. <laughs> it's... It's like... <laughs> okay, so my note is that it is like both in character and not in character for them because we so frequently have them being so sensitive to the needs of others, and then and this is like. 
really missing the mark, but in a way that's like very funny, which is in line with like their brand of funny. And so it's this weird space between their two sort of modes of being where they're just like failing at both kind of. <laughs> it's a, it's really sad. And I feel like that's why Jenny is like, what the fuck you guys? Like, it, cause yeah, cause it kind of feels like maybe they're kind of being jokey to try to, to try to cheer Ron up, but it's like failing miserably. And it's like, go buy him a new rat then you guys. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. So. No, don't buy pets for people without their consent that's true that is true you're right but yeah no there's definitely a better way to be there for ron without being like remember how much you complained about your pet especially when you know that like ron is the kind of person where like complaining about something is his way of talking about how much he loves it you know yeah yeah word i mean it's definitely the epitome of the like you tried star <laughs> yeah it is okay do you have anything else about that no okay so i want to stay on the fred and george tip for a second here did they steal that food <laughs> yes they or did right something i don't know i mean maybe okay the honey duke's owners are like Two children from Hogwarts just showed up in our shop randomly when, because it's not full of students right now. So if they come up from the basement, that's going to be way more obvious. And it's not a Hogsmeade weekend. So like those people would probably like send an owl to school, not just like sell them a bunch of candy. I I think they, if they didn't steal the food, they, like, didn't steal it by, like, taking it and, like, leaving money somewhere in the basement. Which is very suspicious, anyway. So suspicious. I mean, I guess maybe not if you, like, live in a magical world. Maybe you're just, like, sometimes magical creatures get in and eat my stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But. But, yeah. To, in one way or another, they stole that food, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> It's just, and it's so blatant, because it's like, where does everyone think this food came from? I know. Maybe they think that they, like, no, I don't know. I was going to say I have, like, a house elf that will, like, go run a quick errand for them, but that would not take a couple hours. I mean, it, we, we do get the sense that they have sneaked, they sneaked into the kitchens, though, right? Mm-hmm. So. Sneak, it seems very simple when we yeah. see I it mean, happen, you, but... You go into the kitchens, yeah, basically. Yeah. Which seems nice. It seems like you just could just go down there and, like, ask for some food and, like, be on your merry way. Yeah, which, like, all the students should really know about that since there's, like, no fucking snack times at Hogwarts, which is a problem. Yeah, I would, I mean, I'm already the kind of person where it's, like, I keep, like, energy bars in the pockets of my coats and stuff where I'm, like, if I if I need a snack, it needs to happen right now. Where I'm, yeah. like, are y'all just, like, what is, is no one else just, like, sh- Putting food in a napkin for, like, later? Because that would totally be me. Yeah. Yeah. Snacks and coffee need to be available all the time. It seems weird that Harry doesn't at least, like, grab some food for later. I wonder if it would disappear when the when the food disappears from the tables. I hope not. That'd be weird. But it also kind of makes sense, right? I guess it depends on what's happening when it disappears from the table. And, like, what is the, like, parameter of, like, what disappears? 
Because like if I'm eating a sandwich and I don't want to disappear out of my hand, I'd be very upset. <laughs> I would be so upset. I'm pretty sure that we see that happen at some point. Do we? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe we're going to have to keep a lookout or someone will just send us an email. Please let us know about the food service at Hogwarts. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Look. <laughs> I know that it had to happen, but the fact that Crookshanks threw Neville under the bus is so <laughs> painful to me. It's so mean. It's so terrible. I like poor Neville. Oh, him at the end of this chapter. And his fluffy slippers. Shaking. So upset. Crying. Oh, God. It's so sad. And, like, Crookshanks is, like, sentient enough that I'm, like, couldn't you have thought of another way? Like, (laughs) sentient's not the word. Conscious? Uh, whatever. Anyway, Crookshanks has enough ability to like make decisions that i wish that that he could have come up with a plan that didn't involve harming sweet tender neville i feel like that might have been a very opportunistic plan because it's probably because i'm like neville probably did write all those things down and then legitimately like put it down somewhere and forget about it and then christians is like oh here is a plan that we could execute no i'm pretty sure uh, Sirius says at the end of the book that Crookshanks stole it off Neville's nightstand. And we already saw Neville lose the list a couple mm-hmm. chapters ago. Or saying that he had written it down and, like, lost the list. But, uh, no, Crookshanks, like, flat out, like, threw Neville under the bus. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's very sad. And it's also totally unfair for McGonagall to be mad at him because, like, he clearly has something going on that messes with his ability to remember stuff and she's the one who allowed this like wacky fucking portrait to be employed to guard the portrait hole and just like changes passwords all the time which is like ridiculous an accessibility issue for neville and then you're like mad at him for writing down the passwords i don't think so that's not gonna work yeah i mean personally i would have needed to write down the passwords i have a very fancy password manager so i don't forget the passwords that i use every day because i'm like i don't remember what i said before like three minutes ago for this password and i gotta reset it so yeah that just made me think of uh when i rescued that cat yesterday when I like took it to the shelter or the animal hospital, they had me fill out an intake thing. And it was like, where did you like cross section where you found the cat? And I was like, I'm so glad that like, when I called Evan to be like, bring a box to put this cat in, I had to say out loud to him, the intersection, (laughs) which is one block down and one block up from my home. And I, don't know the name of the cross street that like the main street that goes out to like get out of my neighborhood on that side of like my block as a general rule like I don't know the name of that street and I was like if I hadn't said this out loud like half an hour ago I wouldn't know what to write down and that would be very embarrassing listen this is what maps are for is what I would have 
just been like, mm, it's what phones are for. I know. Yeah. I'd have been like, let me get this out. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I don't live around the corner from there. <laughs> I was breaking the quarantine <laughs> laws and had gone walking somewhere. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, I know. I feel like at work sometimes I'll like forget something someone said like literally three minutes later. And I'm like, could you repeat that? I've literally forgotten. And they're like, oh, you, you're too young to have me these memory problems. And I'm like, not that young. It's my baby face. But also... Also, my brain is a maze full of angry hamsters. So, like, I don't know. The moral of this story is that we should start a support group with Neville Longbottom. (laughs) And we can all be such good buddies and swap stories. And he would feel so much better about himself upon realizing that he's not, like, an anomaly. Yeah, I I feel like Neville needs, like, ADHD Twitter, which is one of the best twitters yeah so or really is. just a general like neuro atypical twitter yeah neville also needs some more friends yeah or like a dog i don't know both <laughs> i feel like him and hermione could be really good friends because i think that they're both dealing with like this very similar like similar but maybe different like types of being neuroatypical like i think they could probably find a lot of places where their experiences overlap and things that they have in common and could also probably like swap tips of like things that work for me things you know whatever like ways that they can like be accountability buddies and whatever yeah fanfic for the future i'm I'm literally writing this down so i don't forget Oh, cute. Join us on Patreon if you want to hear fanfic about Neville and Hermione being buds. It'll it'll definitely end with Hermione chucking Neville's remember off like the astronomy tower. Because fuck that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it'll end with Hermione making like, maybe like bewitching the remember all to be like a list app. You know? Oh my god, a psychic list app, Jesse. That's really all I would want in my life. That would be so great. Anyway, let's move on. Would you like to talk about sports? Yeah. Great. Welcome to the sports section where we reluctantly talk about Quidditch. I just. I don't understand why the Slytherin and Ravenclaw teams are so boy-heavy. I mean, in general, the gender division of sports is bullshit. But on Quidditch, like, you're on a... Like, there isn't... Like, there, it shouldn't matter. Like, I mean, again, this doesn't matter really in, I think, any sport. But especially in Quidditch, you're, like, sitting on a broom. I just... I don't... I mean... And, I mean, it's very, like, obvious that, like, Hogwarts Quidditch... That doesn't matter. Like, there's, there's like a structural rule built in, but it just seems weird that like half of the school's teams are mostly dudes. And I don't know why, but it just seems weird. It's really, really weird. I I feel like 
with Slytherin, I feel like the intention was to be like, they're bigoted in many ways. But with Ravenclaw, I have no idea. Like, why? What purpose is that? serve like what is it trying to tell us about ravenclaws like when we know so little about ravenclaws anyway i mean i think specifically for this chapter is to sort of make cho stand out but like that didn't need to be like she's the only girl on the team i don't (laughs) envision ravenclaws giving a fuck about like tradition as much as like pure bloods try to maintain like the patriarchy of pure-blooded culture or whatever it's just real weird, and it's like one of those like hashtag do better JKR moments. Yeah, it is very very bizarre. Yeah, I don't I don't have any idea. Okay, so my only sports point is, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but like the firebolt really calls it into sharp perspective like why are they allowed to ride different brooms yeah harry has a like professional quidditch league broom and everyone else is on like varying degrees of all right brooms mm-hmm. and it clearly makes a difference and it's like right how is that how's that even allowed like it shouldn't have been allowed at all yes harry's a good flyer but having a bomb ass broom gives him such an unfair advantage that like right. is if never he and Cho traded brooms, he would not have won. He would not match. have won. No, it's totally unacceptable. It makes me really frustrated. I don't even care a tiny bit about Quidditch, aside from the fact that it makes Harry happy and that's nice. But like, I I feel very upset about the inequity of this situation especially because this impacts house points right it basically means that like the rich kids do better in quidditch or they can afford better brooms mm-hmm. as much as harry does not consider himself a draco mouth where he likes to like, a rich kid they still like you still have this fancy ass broom that like your rich godfather brought you you know yeah and before you even had like the nicest on the market broom before so it's like dude yeah yeah, and I, Harry, along with everyone else, was so upset when fucking Lucius Malfoy bought the whole Slytherin team Nimbus 2001, 2001s because it was like, you know, that's not fair because the rest of the kids don't have brooms that nice. And then he's like, it's 100% fair that I have this firebolt and like that those things can't both be true at all like everyone needs to be riding the same broom right and at least the slytherin team everyone is riding the same broom yeah but everyone on both teams needs to be riding the same broom i know i mean in reality they should all be riding school brooms they shouldn't be riding brooms they own because of this for this exact reason so but that would require hogwarts to actually care about the inequities that happen in hogwarts which as we know they do not care about they don't care no Despite the fact that I feel like they probably do have a huge endowment, which fuck you guys. Yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> this has been Quidditch. <laughs> this has been. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. Where 
Madam Hooch fell asleep. I know we already talked about it, but like she fell asleep supervising the game because she's supposed to stop Harry from getting murdered and she went to sleep. Like. I know if Sirius is really trying to murder Harry, Harry would be dead. Yeah. Like between her and fucking Sir Cadigan. Hopeless. But like also literally for real, like, I don't think this has actually occurred to me until right now, but if Sirius was really trying to murder Harry, Harry would be dead. Like, there's, like, right, like, she doesn't, who doesn't even walk Ron and Harry back to the castle in the dark? And, like, Sirius was fucking there. Like, he was there with Crookshanks. And if he was really trying to murder Harry, that would have been the time. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Who should not be supervising children? No. And pieces of art should not be responsible for keeping murderers out of dorm rooms. So I actually, yeah, I thought the whole like password system seems really ridiculous, actually. Right, because you know who knows the password to Gryffindor Tower? Definitely Penelope Clearwater. Mm-hmm. Also, everyone else who is dating someone who lives in Gryffindor Tower. Right. It's. And, and and anyone who's, like, overhearing, like, it would be so easy to just, like, closely follow Neville until he asks someone the password because he can't remember it. Right. Neville spent a lot of time hanging outside of the common room waiting for someone to come in and out to let him in, which is fucked up. Yeah. And, and I know we don't necessarily have canonical evidence for that, but, like, just knowing his character, that is what happens a majority of his week. Like, he's just, like, reading a book about yeah, plans, waiting for someone think, to come by. I think we do get evidence for Would that think, at least a couple times. I think, like, definitely in book one, I think. But I just assume it doesn't stop past Yeah. Book. I mean, like, yeah. No, and it just, sure. it also doesn't, it also doesn't make any sense where it's, like, the portraits are sentient. So it's, like, you know who the fuck is in Gryffindor House. Right. That so that's that was my question is like did no one clarify to Sir Cadigan that he should not let Sirius Black <laughs> in the dorm even if he knew the password? I don't think so. That seems like an enormous oversight. No, that isn't. It is an incredible oversight, um, which is why Sir Cadigan should have never been the portrait in the first place. Cause like he does. Do you think the fat lady would have let Sirius in if he knew the password? So she says in the chapter where she where her portrait gets fucked up that he didn't have the password, right? Yeah. I don't know. I guess my question is sort of like, how much control does the portrait actually have, or is it sort of like password activated release? I feel like, you know, it must it must be just like password activated because isn't isn't that how Harry gets into Ravenclaw Tower in book seven? Even though he's not a Ravenclaw. Wait, no, because there's a point where when Harry gets back to Gryffindor Tower and the fat lady is gone on like Christmas or something and he can't get in and he has to wait. Or he leaves because he can't get in or something. Oh, you're right. 
And Ravenclaw Tower is different. They don't have a password. They You have to answer a question, which is like anybody could get into Ravenclaw Tower if they can answer the question. Yeah. So yeah, the password system is bullshit, basically. Like what it, it like I don't understand the purpose that it solves, that it serves. No. Yeah, they they need uh like key cards. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like you could have magical key cards though. Like totally. you could hand out literal magical keys to these kids. I mean, Neville would probably lose his. But if they were magical, they would find their way back to your pocket like Percy Jackson's sword. That's true. Yeah, they just do that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, when Neville, when Neville is and Neville becomes headmaster, he's gonna, he's gonna do that. Yeah, I like how we're just like Hermione, the Minister of Magic, and Neville, the headmaster of Hogwarts, will fix all the problems that we have found <laughs> in this society. <laughs> oh, I mean, they are both the types to do so. Which is absolutely. I feel like we are not out of line in that. In that. No. So no, they're both they're both very good people who want the best <laughs> for everyone. Okay, whose turn is it? I think I brought up the password system, so I think it's your turn. Okay, so Hermione has four hundred and twenty-two pages to read for homework. That's ridiculous yeah that is too too much for like i mean i didn't have to fucking read that much in like my college classes i assume she means like combined between all of her classes but even so that feels that's more pages than like all of deathly hollows i think i don't know how many pages that book is but like that's that's real that's a lot and it's like academic you know yeah which is like the slowest driest reading yeah and she's 13 like that's the other piece of it is like she's 13 fucking years old what are they doing yeah i mean she should have never been allowed this ridiculous course load because it's like you know it's an important lesson to learn making decisions you know it's okay to be like yeah you're really enthusiastic about everything you still have to choose a normal number of classes because you're 13 and like this is a good exercise in prioritizing right and like she could have learned about muggle studies in her free time you know maybe hung out with some of the other muggle born kids or something you know totally or not taken divination yeah like she should have been dropped divinations totally which I think should be in the next couple of chapters or so when she does that. But, like, it should have been way sooner. It should have been this chapter where she's, like, freaking out and about to just, like, cry hysterically from, from the pressure of her academic work. So you should have been like, you know what, fuck you, divinations. Yeah, totally. But it's hard for her mind to give up on stuff, so. Right. I'm sure it, how... it feels like failing. It's not. It's not quite how her brain is wired. No. Yeah, it's definitely taken, you know, years of therapy to be like, oh, honoring limitations and failure are not synonymous, actually. I mean, this is maybe at least, I think, maybe the book where she 
I don't want to say, like, figures that out. But she doesn't try, like, the too many classes stunt again after this. True. Well. Because sometimes, I mean, she can't, obviously, but. Right. Sometimes she's going to have that one shitty year to be like, you know what? This is rock bottom. I'm good. So good. Don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, doing it at 13 is real hellish, though. Yes. Totally. You can't even imagine. Mm Mm-mm. All right. What's next? Uh, I just have one more point, which is... I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, so, uh, Malfoy trying to freak out Harry but pretending to be a Dementor and getting caught hilariously, which would have happened anyway, I think. Um, but this is, like, one of the few times that we see Malfoy getting in trouble for shit like this. And part of me is, like... He's gets in, he gets in trouble for, like, almost sabotaging this Quidditch match. And I'm like, McGonagall, can you please have your priorities straight? Like, Harry and Draco fight and do ridiculous shit constantly. And it's like, it never is addressed by the, by the professors at all. And this is the one time it gets addressed. And I'm like, because it's at a fucking Quidditch match? Really, McGonagall? Well... It's because it's at a Quidditch match that she's there to see it because they're, like, completely unsupervised the rest of the time. That's true. That is true. Which is its own issue. (laughs) But even with the shit with the, like, Potter stinks button that Draco made with LOL. (laughs) Where it's, like, literally everyone can see this. Yeah, it's bullying. It's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. it's just not it's not a good look for McGonagall, really. No. Or for the school in general. No. I guess speaking of McGonagall and like supervision. So she shows up twice to tell them to be quiet now, which makes me wonder where her chambers are and if she has like a baby monitor. What <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Like, how does she know that they're out of bed and being loud? Like, what? what's happening? Do you think her, like, sleeping chambers are, like, near slash next to slash under the common room? I mean, they're either, like, very nearby or... No, they must be very nearby because she shows up very quickly and you can't apparate inside of Hogwarts and she doesn't take flew in there. We don't see her come out of the fireplace. So, yeah, yeah, she's, like, in her like... pajamas still. Right. So she must be, like, right there, which is weird that we that we never, like, learn that. And But also, like, these are castle walls. How is she hearing them? Maybe they were really loud. I guess. Maybe it's, like, if her... So Gryffindor common rooms are in a tower. If she's, like... If her chambers are, like, below the common room... I guess it depends what the floors are made out of, though. Stone, right? I mean, I guess probably. I mean, maybe she's just on the same corridor, because, like, maybe she can hear them through the portrait. I like the idea of a magical baby monitor. I mean, that seems right up, uh, you know, Hogwarts NSA. Yeah. All right, cool. That's my last education point. Do you have anything else? Do you have anything else for this episode? I do not. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. You can and should find us on the internet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Gaily Prophet. 
remember to tweet about us using the hashtag gaily news and uh you know join the conversation it's fun yeah uh you should also tell all your friends uh about this podcast um they're now all at home bored with plenty of time to listen to our podcast you should also rate and review our podcast if you have not already it makes us feel very special and don't you want to see us be happy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it also helps convince your friends to listen to it when they go look at us and they're like, oh, look, it has very good ratings and reviews that, you know, matters. You can also find us on our website, which is thegailyprofit.com, where you can do all sorts of things, including buy our very cute merch, which is great. Or on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit, where you can both support us and get extra content so much extra content (laughs) if you want to follow me to episodes i'm on twitter at jesse underscore detroit and on instagram at life in detroit i promise it's not all coronavirus related panic (laughs) hey you've been posting lots of good like cooking stuff and cat stuff it's been good uh, you can find me on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi or at Radical Healer and also on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester, as are our comics, which you can also find on our social media and on our website. The music and our theme song and spoiler warning are by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. And... Until next time. Oh, I actually don't have words for this episode. <laughs>